This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, our family, we used to live on the dirt road part of, of Willow Road. How many know where the dirt road part is? Okay, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> That's where we used to live. We lived there. We're, we're right at the, the Little League Stadium, Little League Diamond there. Used to be dirt right there. Okay. I don't remember, you remember when it used to be dirt there. A couple of, yeah, the older guys. Okay, good. So yeah, it was dirt, and you traveled down three miles down there, and you come to our place, and you had to be really lost to end up at our place, but that's where we were. And we had 300 goats all around our house that were used in the business of making antibodies. And those goats were really around us. And in fact, from our bedroom, we could throw a stone and hit all 300 of them. They were right there. We were one cozy, happy family. My wife and three boys and 300 goats, we were all together. And, <laughs> and anyway, so we operated that business there for about 10 years. We lived there. And we had rattlesnakes. And on several occasions, we lost our goats to rattlesnakes several times a year, and we would find the rattlesnakes. One time we found a rattlesnake inside our house in the back room there, that was a shock. But we got to know, unfortunately, or fortunately, more unfortunately, we got to know a few things about rattlesnakes. And it was interesting, I mean, uh, they're terrifying, but it's interesting about snakes because the, where we found the snakes, we got to kind of know where, we would, where they were likely to be. It was always in these kind of like uh, unclean places. It was like wherever it was, we had a rabbit tree up there on the side of the hill with uh, hundreds of rabbits, and, and we kind of knew where the snakes would hang out. It would be in those cold, damp, moldy places like under something rotting, for example, or underneath a damp rock. And that makes, a, that makes a snake a fitting symbol of Satan because Satan's demons are called 
unclean spirits. In Revelation 16, 13, Revelation 16, 13, it says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, thank God when we read about that, of the devil being in the unclean places, that God has provided for us a remedy for uncleanness in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And thank God in Zechariah 13.1, Zechariah 13.1, that there is this fountain that's spoken about. A fountain, it says, in that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. And, and in Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, it tells us that the remedy for our uncleanness is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when it says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, another thing about snakes is that snakes are a lurking animal. In other words, they lay in wait for their prey. And as their prey approaches, the snake relies on the element of surprise. That's the strategy of the snake. This is what the snake does, and this is what Satan does. He lays in wait. He lurks. He waits for his opportunity to strike the unsuspecting. And that's how the Bible describes Satan when it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's portrayed there as walking about, looking for who he can devour. That's how we see him in the book of Job. In the book of Job, in Job chapter one, verse seven, Job 1, 7, it says, and the Lord said unto Satan, whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from walking, from going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So there we see him, he's looking, he's prowling, he's walking around. This going up and down in the earth is Satan's restless prowling, restless prowling. It says in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Luke twenty-two thirty-one, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And Peter was totally unaware that he was already in the crosshairs of Satan, that Satan had his eye on him. He was unaware that Satan was watching him. In Zechariah 3.1, Zechariah 3.1, it talks about Joshua. And it says there, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. I wonder if, if Joshua knew that. I don't think so. That Joshua was standing there before the angel of the Lord, and there was Satan also standing at the right hand, the right side of Joshua, to resist Joshua in what he was trying to do for God. And maybe Joshua didn't even know that, wasn't aware of it, because the animal, the snake, and the devil, they're lurking. Now, another thing about snakes is that they're camouflaged. They really are very well camouflaged. They blend in so well with their environment. Anybody who spent time walking or hiking up Cow's Mountain or, or out at Stonewall Ridge, and you, you're shocked when you say, oh, I thought that was, oh, no, that's an animal. That's a diamondback rattlesnake. He blends in so well with the ground. They blend it because the snake appears to be what it is not. 
They're not part of the plant life, but they look like they're part of the plant life. They're not part of the small rocks, but they look like they're part of the small rocks because they blend in so well. That's a perfect example of Satan because Satan appears to be what he is not. The Bible calls Satan a transformed angel of light. He transforms himself into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. See, transforming himself into an angel of light, he becomes an angel of enlightenment. An angel of enlightenment. You know, he's the, he's the prince of deception. And when a person is deceived, you know what happens? He thinks, ah, the light has just gone on. I've seen something I've never seen before. That's deception. And Satan, you know, when he came to Eve in this chapter here, in this passage we're studying here in Genesis 3, he didn't come in there to Eve and said, hello, I'm Satan, and I'm the enemy of God. I oppose everything that God does. Wanna talk? (laughs) That's not what he does. He transforms himself into an educator, into an eye-opener, into showing Eve something she never saw before. And as he does this, he's transforming himself into an angel of light. His name was Lucifer, the angel of light. He's an angel of enlightenment. We see him doing this with Eve as he comes with the voice of reason. Have you ever thought, Eve, that God told you not to eat of every tree of the garden, which was, of course, false, God didn't say every tree. And then her mistake was she engaged. She engages, well, no, let me, let me just make it clear. And once she did that, he's got her. He's got her, and then he can manipulate her, which is what he did. Now, the snake actually is a very beautiful animal. I mean, it really is. I mean, you look at it, it has a unique attraction to it. It almost glistens but it's just very pretty. The coat of the snake, it can be black, it can be shiny, it can be multicolored, it can have deep shades of red, of orange, of yellow, and green, it's really very pretty. And the color of the skin of the snake actually changes colors as he moves with his strange and really wonderful motions. When you look at a snake move, it makes you wonder. It's full of wonders. Now, if you forget about what the snake is and what he does, There's almost like an entrancing gracefulness to when he's moving his motions with this perfect coordination of his muscles as he moves around. And so this is used by the snakes because the snakes actually entice their victims because you know what they do? They spark curiosity. What is that? And that's part of their strategy. What is that as the victims move in closer to closer and curiosity, curiosity draws them and they allure in by their beauty for the kill? Even the rattle and the hiss of the rattlesnake, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like, what's that? That's interesting. Now, in this characteristic here of the snake, it's a perfect illustration of the devil who is called in scripture in 1 Timothy 4.1. 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that'd be the time we're in now, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Says that seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See, the devil and his demons are called seducing spirits. And of course, we can't read that seducing spirits without thinking of how strong Samson, strong Samson was seduced by women to his own destruction. 
or how wise Solomon, wise Solomon was seduced by women to his own destruction, which is described in 1 Kings 11.1. 1 Kings 11.1 says, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and the Hittites. And then going on to describe that, Nehemiah, who was warning the men of his day to not make these marriages with the people around him. And he said in Nehemiah 13, 26, Nehemiah 13, 26, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like unto him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. So when Eve was asked, what she had done, you know, later on in the chapter here in verse 13, you see that in verse 13, when she was asked by God, what did you do? She responded in verse 13, the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, he said the word, she said the word, beguiled me and I did eat. That's a very interesting word. The word that she used there, nasha, nasha in Hebrew for beguiled, it means to seduce by leading, but it has a certain twist on it. It has a certain meaning to this word nasha. In other words, Eve said, I was led into eating the forbidden fruit. In essence, Eve was saying, I was taken by the hand and led by the serpent to eat the forbidden fruit. But the interesting part about this word nasha is that it has an aggressive aspect to it. It's almost like a violent aggression because this is the same word that's used in Psalm 55.15. Psalm 55.15, it speaks about nasha and it's used in the context of what death does it says in Psalm 55, 15, let death seize upon them, let them go down quick into hell. That word seize is nasha. Let death nasha upon them. The word she used for how the serpent had seduced her is pictured with a forcefulness of how death overwhelms and grabs a person. And even though the person says, I don't wanna die, I don't wanna die, and try as hard as he can to not let death take and overcome him. In the end, death wins. Death seizes. Death nashas that person and makes him succumb into death. That's the Hebrew word that Eve used to describe what happened to her. The serpent seized her into a seductive hold like a lion grabs the juggler of its prey and waits for it to die. That's the picture of nasha, and that's what she said. So we're warned to beware of this seductive deception of the devil when it says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, and so we're to beware of this nashad, this strong seductive deception that's so prevalent. It's so prevalent in our days, and we have only one defense against this nashah overpowering seductive deception, and that defense is described for us in 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3.13. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, we are confronted with this nasha, strong deceiver, strong seduction that wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We should not be deceived into thinking that we can overcome them or anyone can overcome the nasha of death when it comes to our strength. No, our only defense is to know, as Paul told Timothy, the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. What salvation? Salvation from what? Salvation from nasha, from the strong seducers that are all around us and waxing and, and getting worse and worse and deceiving and being deceived. So these holy scriptures are given to us as the all scripture that's given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, this is how the devil is described in scriptures. He is the great deceiver. He's the great deceiver. You know, deception, if you wanna know the recipe for deception, it's 99 parts truth and one part error. So that's important, is that deception comes in always speaking the truth, talking the truth, but then comes the curveball. And that's the nature of deception. And that's what he does in Revelation 28, Revelation 20, verse eight. It says, he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog, Magog, gathered together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went out of the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp, now the saints about a beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them, always he is called the deceiver. The devil that deceived them was cast into a lake of fire. The devil deceives. How does he deceive? He deceives with miracles. Miracles. You know, it says in Revelation 13, 14, Revelation 13, 14, that the devil deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make the image of the beast which had a wound by a sword and did live. See, this is what the Egyptian uh, magicians did in Moses' day. They were, Moses comes in, he takes his rod as God told him to, he throws it down on the ground as God told him to, and it became a snake, it became a snake. Well, then came in the Egyptians, they did the same thing. They threw their rods down, they became a snake. They have power to do the miracles, and it's by those miracles that they deceive. And those miracles are called in the Bible, lying wonders. Lying wonders, as it says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 says, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Those are miracles. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all may be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a terrible judgment to be given over to a strong delusion. There was a time when the Lord Jesus 
was with his disciples, and he was, they were in front of the great temple, the magnificent structure. And as they were looking at it, as a matter of fact, it says that they wanted to show him the stones of the temple and its magnificence. And then he began to speak of the destruction of the temple. I mean, that must have been something. Look at this beautiful structure, and he starts talking about its destruction. And the disciples came to him, and they said, how can we know when the end times are? And then he responds to them in Matthew 24, 1. Matthew 24, 1, when he says, Jesus went out, departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, so that's just opposite the temple, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So they're looking at the temple, they're saying it's magnificent, he begins to speak of his destruction, they get onto the new subject, how are we gonna know when this is gonna happen? And Jesus, verse four, Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you. Title of the message tonight. Take heed that no man deceive you. See, that answer from the Lord Jesus that he gave to them, it seemed to be not the answer to their question. I mean, it seemed as though we're not on the same wavelength. We're not talking the same language here. He doesn't understand what we're saying. The disciples asked, they said, look, we asked a straightforward, simple question about the end time. We asked the when question. When are these things gonna be? We were very clear in our question. We asked the what question. What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the earth? And he answers their question with a warning. A warning. And the warning is, take heed that no man deceive you. Maybe they thought he didn't hear them. Maybe they thought, maybe they didn't hear it, maybe they didn't understand what we were asking for. They're asking for a sign of how to know when he was returning at the end of the world. He gives an answer that seems to have nothing to do with their question when his response is, take heed that no man deceive you. And it's as if this point, is as if this point, when the disciples wanted to say, no, wait, wait, we wanna know the sign so that we can get to know when you're gonna come back and return, when the world's gonna end, and now you've told us to be careful that we're not to be deceived. That doesn't seem to answer our question. When are you gonna answer our question? But that was the answer to their question. That was it. The sign of his soon coming and the approaching end of the world would be mass deception. Mass deception. The answer to the question of when are the end times, it's when you are in danger of being deceived. That's the sign of the end times. That's why it's so important for us to know these methods of Satan's trickery, these, these strategies of deception that he has that the devil uses, because, because when a believer says, oh, not me, I'm immune from being deceived, he's either already deceived or he is on his way to being deceived. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he also fall. That means that the person who thinks he can stand against deception on his own strength, he's in danger of falling into deception. And that's why we are called upon to beware, as Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 17, 2 Peter 3, 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. 
That's why the, the beauty and the attractiveness of the snake is such a perfect illustration of the devil because the devil is a seducing spirit. The devil is the Delilah of the spirits. He is the Delilah of the spirits. And without doubt, Eve was attracted to the beauty of this snake skin. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.